Next, this month's special series, Focus on Global Medicine. ReachMD is taking an in-depth look at how medicine is working toward health and longevity for people around the world. Join us all this month for the latest medical research and treatment across borders. We're seeing more physicians participate in short-term international medical work, owing in part to a greater awareness for global inequities in healthcare. What types of volunteer opportunities are available to physicians interested in making a difference overseas? And what are some of the most common challenges and benefits of working abroad? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Global Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Parmi Suchdev, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Global Health at Emory University and Medical Epidemiologist in the Nutrition Branch at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. Welcome, Dr. Suchdev. Thank you. What kind of physicians are interested in volunteering or practicing medicine abroad, and do we know how many physicians are doing this? I think the short answer to that is all physicians. I don't think I know a physician or student in training who isn't interested in going abroad. A lot of the reasons why people don't go abroad are for some of the financial constraints or constraints with their family or logistical issues. But I think if anyone's given the experience, you know, we'll give you a week of vacation from your practice to go practice medicine in X country, I think you'd have a universal yes. Are you finding that this is also true for other healthcare providers, such as nurses, nurse practitioners, and physician's assistants? Absolutely. And in my experience, I feel like some of the other medical professions are even doing more global health work than physicians and nurses and the other practitioners you mentioned. I think there's also a huge increase in global health activities as well. Now, other than being able to help patients overseas, what might be some personal and professional benefits of international medical work? There are several benefits, the most common being the educational benefits as far as improving your clinical diagnosis skills, seeing diseases that you wouldn't commonly see in the U.S. You know, here most of our common diseases are chronic illnesses such as asthma, heart disease, and when you go abroad, you're looking at more acute infections, uh, many of these that you do not see in the U.S., But I think one of the other main reasons people go abroad and work globally is the sense of of social justice and understanding what the true determinants to illness are, somebody's social determinants. And those who do go abroad end up having attitudinal changes and are more likely to be involved in the community service and working with underserved populations in the United States when they return. You mentioned that finances can sometimes be a barrier to participating abroad. What are some of the other challenges that physicians might face? Another common problem is finding the time off and whether that's vacation or salary support to go abroad, getting approval either from your department chair or your practice or your attending if you're a student to go abroad. I think those who aren't involved in global health work sometimes think of working abroad as being more of a tourist activity and not having clear objectives in advance can sometimes uh, create a challenge as well. In addition, other challenges, I think, are language, not knowing the language, safety concerns. This is becoming an ongoing problem in many places of the world. There might be differences in religion. Those type of issues, I think, come up often. Before we move on from challenges, you mentioned that time can be an issue, but how much of a time commitment is actually needed? Do you need a week, two weeks, a month, a year? 
I think that that's a tough question to answer. The common mistake is that, okay, I'm going to go on a seven-day trip to Guatemala, for instance, and all I really need is a week, and I think you should multiply the length of your actual trip by 10 or something just in the preparation and the getting your visas and your clearance and really collaborating with the local organizations and really having time for feedback and reflection when you come back. So I think it ends up taking more time than is needed, and the longer time you can commit, the better. So once a physician decides that they do want to participate in short-term international medical work, what do they need to do to get started? How do they decide where to go and whom to help? That's a big challenge because there's so much information out there. If you type Global Health on Google or some other search engine, you'll find thousands and thousands and thousands of hits. And I think really the first step is sitting down either by yourself or with a mentor and defining your objectives. Like, what do you really want to get out of it? Is your main objective to go learn medical Spanish? Is your main objective to really improve your diagnostic skills? Is your main objective to learn about research and go to a specific region in the world for whatever reason? I think having clear objectives in advance can help you narrow down your choices. And there are many, many organizations out there and websites that have useful information. The International Medical Volunteers Association is one I like. The Global Health Education Consortium is another great group. And and then all uh, like the American Academy of Pediatrics or Dozer in Pediatrics often have really good resources. And it's nice to choose a program that has some type of accreditation so you know you're uh, investing both your time and money on something that's meaningful. Are there certain countries that you've visited that you would recommend to others who might be interested? I don't think there's any country I've been to that I haven't learned a lot from and really had a beneficial experience from. I spent a lot of my international work in Latin America primarily because I speak Spanish and feel like I'm more useful in the place where I can speak the language, but I've also spent time in Africa in Eastern Europe, in Asia. And so I think it's personal preference for where you choose to work. Are there different pros and cons to working with a smaller group or a larger non-governmental organization, for example, or to try to be in a more academic setting internationally? Again, I think it depends what your goals are. If you want to make a larger scale impact, maybe get a publication, build your CV. Those working with a more academic program might be helpful, but small NGOs, there are thousands of them out there and they're doing great work. I mean, the work I did in El Salvador, for instance, one of my good friends from medical school, her sister was living in El Salvador working for this NGO, and that's the connection I had. I think you know, as long as there's some type of connection, that's really how these collaborations and this relationship builds. And when you have a relationship, you're going to get a lot more out of the program. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Global Medicine, on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu. Our guest is Dr. Parmi Suchdev, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Global Health at Emory University in Atlanta. We're discussing the challenges and benefits of international medical volunteerism. Now, one challenge we had talked about earlier is that finances may deter some physicians from being able to work internationally. Are there some creative ways to find either paid opportunities or ways to get things like food, shelter, transportation covered? Yeah, and I think there are many ways to deal with some of the financial constraints. It's never easy. I mean, I think the first step is making sure, you know, you can take the time off. And a lot of residency programs will allow you to go as an elective so that you're still getting paid your residency salary, for instance. Or if you're in practice, you often have to use vacation time. But a lot of the programs do provide housing and transportation costs. For example, Health Volunteer Overseas is a great organization. And so you might have to pay for your plane ticket, but then after that, everything is covered. And there are other programs 
programs too will actually will give you a small stipend. I think the bottom line is that, yeah, you do have to invest some, but the benefits are well worth the investment. When physicians go overseas, I often see them collecting medical supplies and even non-medical supplies to take with them to leave in the local communities. What types of equipment would you recommend taking to a foreign country? This is a challenge I've often faced. I think early on in my short-term medical travel experience, I used to really focus attention on getting as many supplies as we could and leaving them behind. And then I started realizing that a lot of the supplies we were collect might not have been the most useful to the local organization. And, and often many of the medications we can get here in the U.S. are those that are donated by pharmaceutical industries, for instance, like azithromycin and fourth or third generation cephalosporins, which in the local country that you're going to, they're still using penicillin, amoxicillin, and so you're introducing a very strong medication, and then once they run out of it, they aren't going to have any more of that. So I actually think it's often better to go look at the local country's medication list, and the WHO has essential medication lists for every country, and either raising money to help expand their pharmacy of these existing medications or bringing medications from that list to the country. And the WHO actually has on their website a list of guidelines for donated medications that I think is very helpful. Have you found it helpful to bring practical items such as pens for clinic workers or even diapers for the children there? Outside the medication context, I think there are a lot of practical things that can be brought. For example, my work in El Salvador, we used to create these hygiene kits, getting people go to hotels and have their little soaps that they get, collecting those and bringing hygiene kits with toothpaste, toothbrushes, soaps. I think that can actually be more useful to someone and not have some of those ethical concerns for medications that people don't know how to use. One criticism of these smaller-scale efforts in local communities is that it doesn't improve the broader picture of public health infrastructures throughout the world. What if a physician would like to contribute either time or money to an organization that works with multiple communities or tries to build these infrastructures? What would you recommend for them? as a single physician going out there, you're trying to put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound, and is that really going to make a long-term difference? And is my money and time better spent giving a donation to an organization? I think that's great, and I think that's something that each person has to kind of decide on. And I don't think I have any specific organizations to recommend because I think each organization has their own mission, their own values. And I think depending on the individual, donating resources is a great way to make a difference. One further criticism that I've heard is that when we provide aid internationally, we may be neglecting poorer areas of our own country. Do you think that's a valid criticism? No, absolutely. And I think any time I give a lecture on global health, I always start with the situation here in the U.S., And those of us who practice in urban settings see this, even in rural settings, we have huge disparities in healthcare in our country. And I think you can't practice global health without working locally. And that's why there's been a shift from calling work abroad international health to global health. The difference is that global health is that we are a part of the community. And so I think prior to going abroad, for instance, I require my students to go work in our free clinics here in inner city Atlanta to get a sense of what it's like to work with the underserved patient populations, and that better prepares them for the work they'll see abroad. But more importantly, when they come back, we'll give them a better sense of appreciation to address some of those issues here. What are the most important take-home messages you think physicians should know if they are interested in working in global health? I think one of the big recommendations is to start early. I think it's easy to sign up for a trip 
that starts in the summer and then, you know, week before scramble to get everything ready and that can be a big mistake. So really start planning early, make contact with the local organization and establish a strategy for communication. A lot of projects fail when there's not effective communication and communication can sometimes be challenging. Not everyone has frequent access to email that we do, but whether that's having weekly conference calls, really communicate with your local organization so you can better get a sense of what they need and how you can best contribute to them. And then also spend time for evaluation and feedback when you return. I think people go on a trip and then kind of forget about it. Take time to make a presentation to your local organization, give grant rounds, write a paper, really spend time to reflect on your experience and share your experiences with others. I think more needs to be written and shared about global health. One other way to look at starting early is physicians who start during medical school and residency and just creating an ongoing habit of providing global health care. But for people who are more seasoned and later in their career, is it too late to get started in global health? I don't think so at all. Our group at Emory went to Haiti. We had seasoned pediatrician. That's one of the reasons I chose not to go. I think those of us who do global health work sometimes need to take a step back and allow people who haven't had the experience to travel abroad to have that experience because once you have that experience, it becomes somewhat of an addiction, and I don't think it's ever too late. And if you're in a part of a practice where people can help cover your shift, I think it's well worth it. And finally, where can our listeners go to get more information about working globally? There are many uh, resources for global health opportunities. A good place to start is the Global Health Education Consortium. They have a great website that talks a lot about some of these issues of global health. Health Volunteer Overseas, the International Medical Volunteer Association. And then just looking at your local university or local organizations and seeing if they have any global health resources are good places to start. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Parmi Suchdave. We've been discussing the challenges and benefits of international medical volunteerism. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to a special segment focused on global medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Global Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.